Jeremiah in the chapter 32 this morning, please. Jeremiah in the chapter 32. We'll enter into the chapter at the verse 6. Jeremiah, the chapter 32, and the verse 6, the Word of God says, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was an Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even seventeen shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Neriah, the son of Masaiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Barak before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, Behold, I hast made the heaven and the earth by, the, by thy great power, and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thy showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel and mighty in work. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel and among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror, and has given them this land which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law, and they have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Behold the mounts, they are come on to the city to take it. The city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and of the famine and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken has come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money. Take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? 
Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire in this city, and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal, and have poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. Come down to verse 40. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. For thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And fields shall be bought in this land, whereof ye say it is desolate without man or beast, it is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money, and subscribe evidences, and seal them, and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, and in the places about Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, and in the cities of the mountains, and in the cities of the valley, and in the cities of the south. For I will give their captivity to return, saith the Lord. Amen. And we'll end already near at the verse 44. Jeremiah was a prophet of whom it is written in the word of the Lord that God knew him, God sanctified him, and God ordained him. Furthermore, God said unto him that he was to go to whom God sent him. He was not to be afraid, but rather the comforting truth that he received was that God had put his very words into the mouth of Jeremiah. Surely this then was a prophet who was guaranteed success, we would say. But no, we know that with the benefit of hindsight that Jeremiah's ministry, which was primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah, resulted in very little evident fruit. Warnings and exhortations went unheeded, and soon after the reign of Josiah had come to an end, it was evident that the nation was on the fast track to captivity. Such were the discouragements that Jeremiah faced. So stark was the evident disregard for him and for his ministry that very often we refer to him as a weeping prophet. Indeed, this description of Jeremiah is vividly personified in the book of Lamentations when the prophet records his laments in the aftermath of the Babylonian ransacking of the city of Jerusalem. So we come to this chapter 32. We enter at a time in Jeremiah's life when the disregard he was held in is clear for all to see. He is found in this chapter in the prison house, all because the king, remember the king, the man charged with leading the people politically, but also with being a spiritual example to them. Well, this king, Zedekiah, was neither a good leader nor a good example. And so Jeremiah, the man of God, was simply considered to be a nuisance, a traitor, a thorn in the flesh. And because of the perceived negativity of the messages he continually proclaimed, the command had been given, and in prison he was cast. But God was at work. And in everything that Jeremiah came to, 
And it's a reminder to you and I this morning that in everything that we come to, God is always previous. And into this prison house, right into the midst of the prison cell that his servant was in, God came with a message which was simple yet profound. And this message comes crashing in to our service on Sunday, the 20th of February, 2022. If the Lord tarries, and you're bored one night in 2052, and you need something to put you to sleep, this message will still be as relevant today, if you cho- or that day, if you choose to listen to this message. Because the Word of God is that which is powerful. But the Word of God delivers to us this morning a message which is fundamental if you want to know what it is to abide in the secret place. If you want to know what it is to overcome the challenges of life, to be able to see God in the midst of trial and trouble. You want to be able to cut through the noise and commotion of time. If you this morning are serious about doing business with God, then you will do exactly what this message tells you to do. And what is this message? Verse 25, by the field. By the field. You might ask this morning, are you not preaching on a theme that is mentioned twice in this passage, that nothing is too hard for the Lord. We are, but it's not the primary emphasis of what we read in this chapter. Because the main emphasis that the Lord desires to see fulfilled as He delivers this message to Jeremiah is not to convince him of a fact that nothing is too hard for the Lord, and that remains to be a fact today. But it's to see Jeremiah do something in response to that fact. That which the Lord desired Jeremiah to do was to buy a field. I'm preaching this morning to those who really want to abide in the secret place. To those who want to do more than merely pray the same old prayers. To those who want to know not just a change because of a mental assent to all that is said this morning, but because God has done something in their heart and life that will last beyond that second door. Those who will get up from the place of prayer and go with power and authority from that place, knowing that God is at work and will work. And I suggest to you this morning, if that is to be a reality in your life, then you must buy the field. The Lord's message, number one, was a message for the chaos of the present. A message for the chaos of the present. In everyday life terms, none of this made sense. Sure, it was true that the laws of the land decreed that if this piece of land was to be sold, then Jeremiah was a rightful beneficiary of this. But what didn't make sense on any level was the timing. The enemy was at the very gate of the city. 
And if they were encamped outside of Jerusalem, then it's safe for us to assume that either they already did or they soon would hold complete control over this field that was being offered to Jeremiah. And so this field in Anathoth really was only Jeremiah's possession on a piece of paper because the reality was that the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, would soon have complete control over the land. And so in the language of today, Hanamiel was pulling a fast one, and Jeremiah was a mug to agree with the proposal. But here was Jeremiah, isolated, ostracized, accused. Here was one who was a person non gratis in the kingdom. Here was someone who had every reason to be down, deflated, depressed. Here was a servant of God who no doubt was frustrated with life, was no doubt frustrated with ministry. He had more against him than with him, and yet the message of the Lord came loud and clear to him, and that message was by the field. Perhaps this morning you identify with Jeremiah. Things haven't gone as you planned. Things haven't worked out the way that you hoped. In life, you find yourself isolated, frustrated, perhaps even deflated. In ministry, you've been discouraged. It appears there's more against you than for you. In your spiritual life, the old accuser has been picking at your sore, prodding at your weak spot. And here we are this morning gathered together as a company of God's people and the, enemy, the enemies of the gospel, the old adversary of the believer, they're right at the gates, so to speak. The awesome might and the brute force of the armies of Satan are spread abroad for as far as our eyes can see. There seems to be no hope, no refuge, no encouragement for the child of God today. But yet into the chaos of our world, into the chaos of your life, God speaks a message this morning. And this message seems absurd when compared with your reality. This message makes no sense at all when stacked against the facts of our present situation. But yet into the chaos, God speaks and His message is simply to your heart today by the field. Not only was it a message for the chaos of the present, but this was a message with confirmation from the past. Nothing about this message made sense when compared against the present, but it's true that that all changed when it was compared with the past. This is part of the reasoning process that Jeremiah embarks upon in prayer. And he begins where God begins. Can I suggest to you this morning that that remains to be a good model when wrestling with great spiritual unknowns. When you're trying to make sense of something in the here and now, you should do as Jeremiah did and trace the hand of God back to where the hand of God begins. And in doing so, you will open the mind of your understanding. 
You'll open the mind of your understanding to the great wealth of wisdom we find in God, to the great depth of love we find in God, and to the great source of power that we find in God. So Jeremiah, when this message didn't make sense in the present, goes right back to Genesis chapter 1 and the verse 1. In the beginning, God. Read in the verse 16, Now when I delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth. By thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God. The Lord of hosts is his name. So Jeremiah, as he comes before the Lord in prayer, as he embarks upon this reasoning, even with the great matter that he's wrestling with, having surveyed the heavens, having taken in the world, having considered the miracle of his creation, man himself, he declares that there is nothing too hard for God. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, that's the one before whom he bowed. If that wasn't enough, he goes on to trace God in the history of the nation. Read in the verse 21 where he says, And thou hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs, with wonders, with a strong hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with great terror. Thou hast given them this land, which I did swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it. God was at work in the history of the nation. Everywhere they looked was a testimony to how good God had been to his people, to how God had prospered his people, to how God had fulfilled his word to his people. All around him was evidence of plenty that God was a faithful God. But notice. The little word, but. Everything about their present reality pivots on that little three-letter word, but. But they obeyed not thy voice. And look at verse 24 where he says, Behold the mountains, or behold the mounts, they are come unto the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans to fight against it because of the sword and of the famine and of the pestilence. What thou hast spoken has come to pass, and behold, I seest it. And so despite the evidence of the blessing of the Lord in days gone past, the nation had rebelled. With a stubborn mind and a stubborn will, they had done what was right only in their own eyes. And now the reality of the pronouncement of God's judgment was going to be enacted upon them. But yet the word of the Lord was by the field. A message that made no sense because of this reality. 
Yes, when stagged against the evidence of plenty that God had been faithful down through the generations, it made real sense, clear sense. But in the here and now, it made no sense. Believer today, do you trust God? Do you trust that He will fulfill His promises to you? Do you trust Him to work in the lives of your loved ones and friends? Do you trust Him to guide you and to provide for you? Do you trust Him with your health? Do you trust Him in matters of business and wealth? Do you trust Him to use you and guide you in His service? Do you trust Him when there appears to be thousands of reasons not to? And the world is mocking and scorning of any mention of Him. Do you trust Him when it makes no sense at all? I tell you, if Abraham could trust him to leave home, friends, and family behind, if Noah could trust him to build an ark to the safekeeping of his family, if Joseph could trust him in the pit, the prison, and the palace, believing that what others meant for harm, God meant for good, if Jochebed could trust him to build a little ark of bulrushes to the salvation of her precious baby boy, if Moses could trust him to stand before mighty Pharaoh and proclaim the Lord's message, let my people go. If Joshua could trust him to equip him and bless him in the leading of the nation and the conquering of the promised land. If Caleb could trust him to say, give me this mountain. If Gideon could trust him to say, the sword of the Lord will fight for us. If David could trust him to stand before Goliath and say, Is there not a cause the Lord will deliver me you into mine hand today that all the earth may know? If Josiah could trust him to reopen the doors of the house of the Lord once again? If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could trust him to walk with them in the fiery furnace and together with Daniel not to eat the king's meat that they might not be defiled? If Daniel could trust him to pray, three times a day, even when commanded not to. If Esther could trust him when finding herself the only Jew in the king's house and threatened by the wicked Haman's plans. If Peter could trust him when he said to the lame man, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. If Paul could trust him that yes, although he was surrounded by problems, threatened with persecution, plagued by discouragements, yet one day, Faith would become sight, and for him he would be forever with the Lord, which is far better than, yes, dear believer, nothing is too hard for him. And no matter what you're going through, and no matter the reality of your present circumstances, and I'm not trying to make light of anything you're going through, but I urge you as a pastor who loves you, throw down your arms of rebellion, trust Him, and buy the field. It's a message with confidence for the future. 
the Lord replies to Jeremiah and he doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, all that you think is going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to give this city, verse 28, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire in this city and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal, and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. All that you think is going to happen will happen, and much worse. But this is all against the backdrop of a promised future. As crazy as it was in that moment to buy the field, the Lord promised that it was all for a reason. Look in the verse 15 where he says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, The God of Israel, houses and vineyards and fields shall be possessed again in this land. Read in verse 37 where he says, Behold, I will gather them, speaking of the nation, out of all the countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Read in verse 42 where he says, For thus saith the Lord, Like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And fields shall be bought in this land, whereof ye say it is desolate without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money and subscribe evidences and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin in the places about Jerusalem in the cities of Judah in the cities of the mountain, the cities of the valley, the cities of the south. For I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. Now the Bible student will identify this as part of the framework of the new covenant. Something spoken of already in the chapter 31. Something referred to here in chapter 32 in the verse 40 as the everlasting covenant. Something we're going to come back to towards the end of this calendar year in our Bible classes, God willing. But for our purposes today, it is simply enough to summarize this as a promised future. The buying of the field was not a token gesture of faith. It was not an object lesson for insanity. This was faith in action. God had promised. God would perform what he had promised. So today, what's your field? What is the thing that seems to be crazy to believe that God will do for you? What is the step of obedience and dedication that God is requiring of you today? Buy the field. Because God promises a future to you. And God's desires for you are greater than you can understand, that you can fathom right now. Look in the verse 41 where he says, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land. 
God doesn't want to place you somewhere. God wants to plant you somewhere. God wants your life to be rooted and grounded. God wants you to have roots downward and start to bear fruit upward. God doesn't want believers today to be plagued by this bouncy ball Christianity. One day they're up, the next day they're down. One time they're okay, the next time they're fighting wars on every side. Why? Because they feel to buy the field. They feel to believe God. And they believe, feel to believe a God who can do anything. A God who is greater than any problem, any difficulty, any trial, any trouble, any persecution, any feeling of our own. God is greater. And today he urges us, the people of God, not to be those who simply pay lip service, not to be those who are content resting and sitting in a good church where good things are done, but to have that desire to be part of a great church where great things are done because we serve and we see the evidence of the mighty power of the great God working amongst us. And it only comes when we get to the secret place where we learn to abide because we've bought the field. Makes sense to nobody else but in the grand plan of God. It's a door that opens every opportunity. So look to the past and see evidence in your life and see evidence in this church of God's unfailing faithfulness and each and every step so far. But look beyond the reality of the present and see the sure and certain promises He has given. And today, leave here and buy the field. Believe in God. Invest yourself, take him at his word, and nothing is too hard for him. And by the field. Lord, we need a real breakthrough. But it only comes when our rebellious hearts stop processing things through the prism of our rational perception of all that's going on. And where with childlike faith we believe the God of the Bible. Help us all to get to this point today. Help us all to buy the field. And help us to see the mighty hand and the outstretched arm of the God for whom nothing is too hard at work here in our assembly and in the individual lives of thy people here. Granted not for our sake, 
not that any memorial would ever be raised in our name, but that the Lamb would see with the travail of his soul and be satisfied. For it's in his precious and worthy name we pray. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. After the first verse, if you're not remaining for a time of remembrance around the table, please feel free to leave at that point, and God bless you as you go. And for those who remain behind, we'll meet together around the table in just a few moments. Mm-hmm.